I am super excited to have Brand Elverson on the podcast for today. Uh, Brad started his career in the U.S. military, serving our country for over 10 years as a field artillery officer. Uh, he then went to Walmart, where he spent over 22 years working for the world's biggest retailer in the area of asset protection. Uh, and now he's started his own company called Elverson Consulting. Brandon and I have spent many years together working in the asset protection and technology space, and it's my pleasure to, to welcome him to today's podcast. Brian, great to see you. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Good morning, Mike. Yeah. So we just uh, we just covered your uh, your introduction here. Thank you very much for all of your service uh, with their military background. We appreciate you taking care of our country and man to some degree today. I'd I'd rather have you back in that spot today. We are we're kind of in a big mess, but we won't get into that topic because that's a whole different conversation. But. Uh, 22 years at Walmart, and now you're out basically helping companies, solution providers, and, and things like that with uh, with asset protection. We're really trying to focus this on an on-shelf on availability because we know how important that topic is for customers uh, and obviously for retailers and suppliers. But the portion of asset protection, we've really not covered a whole lot. So we want to focus this on that. But before we get into that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. We're all customers, right? We all shop in stores and we all buy stuff online, etc. So, I'd love to ask people if you've had a personal situation over the last three, six, twelve months, whatever, where you have been disappointed because something you wanted was not available either in a store or you ordered it and they cut your order, etc. And how did that make you feel? Any any examples you want to share with us? Yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating. Number one. Um, you know, because in my mind, there's a bit of a difference between out of stock physical presence. So when you're in the store and they're out of an item, forget COVID. So pre-COVID, that was relatively rare. Typically, they would have what you wanted, but introduce COVID, two and a half years of supply chain issues. It happened to me for the first time from Amazon. I was ordering uh, copies, actually editor copies of my first book, and it was short shipped. Um, so I thought, okay, is this carton one of two or what the deal is? And interestingly, got a hold of Amazon customer service, no questions asked, immediate credit hmm. and to keep, keep the uh, stock I had. Uh, another instance, my in-laws, um, probably about six months ago, something completely different showed up. Uh, it was a box full of a dozen Rubbermaid totes, those huge totes. And she had ordered something completely different. Hmm. Um, so again, I called Amazon and they're like, hey, keep it. We don't want it back. I was thinking next time the Amazon truck comes, you can have it back because it's a big package. Uh, but they didn't. So I say all that to say the customer service experience to me matters. Yeah, I didn't get the product. Yeah, I got to reorder it. But to me, that takes a bit of the sting out of the inevitable. Um, but, you know, those could be instances where it's a medical supply or <clears throat> it's a birthday present or something that's really important. It may take on a different feel, but in both cases, the customer service made it. Hmm. Still disappointed you didn't get the product. Yeah, but, but at least cool. you felt like you got to talk to a real human and they took care of it for you, which yeah. is awesome, right? And I, I've not done any OGP. Um, hmm. Excuse me, at uh, 
any major retailer. I haven't done that. My wife has, um, but I haven't experienced that in OGP. Got it. Got it. Awesome. Uh, so let's uh, let's kind of transition a little bit to what we really want to focus on is the asset protection space. I think a lot of people understand the word asset protection, and then I think it used to be called loss prevention. But before yeah. we get in there, what what would you be? I mean, you been, you spent your entire career in this space. What exactly is asset protection? What does it mean? And if I'm an if I'm an asset protection, kind of what am I responsible for? It changed in the 20 years, 22 years I was in um, in the career field, and it depends on the retailer. But at a Reader's Digest version is the definition has evolved into a broader scope of impact. So when I joined in 95, <clears throat> it was pretty much cops and robbers. Everything was how many shoplifters did you catch? Did your team catch this month? How many internal cases? Everything was pretty much myopically theft. And then uh, leadership changes and other contributing factors, we started pushing the bookends out to say, hey, you know, th there are wrinkles from point of origin all the way through the supply chain to on-shelf availability. And if you're going to make a real impact to this thing called shrink, you have to understand and affect all of the components. And where companies get in trouble um, so not everybody's the same. So you go to retailer X, they may still be in the cops and robbers phase and their shrink is stunningly high. Again, forget COVID. Um, my answer to that is, and I resisted this the entire 20 plus years at Walmart, theft is a problem, but it isn't the total loss problem. If we don't understand on-shelf availability, cap and you know the in-stock position and supply chain and warehousing and cross-docking and all those components, you don't understand the entire problem. So one of two things was always my response. If shrink is still persistently high and you believe theft is the major driver, one of two things are true. You either suck at your job or theft is not the entire issue. One of the two. And again, you have to strip out COVID because I know companies had to do some pretty drastic things to back off of risk theft mitigation. But it's changed, but it's been a slow change, Mike. I would say that tipping point really started about 2010, meaning vice presidents taking the chairs at these major retailers that had a background other than asset protection, or they truly understood the operational impact. They were broader thinkers. They weren't this myopic tunnel vision. It's all theft, and that's all I'm going to do. Right. And and just for perspective, I mean, you, you can help this with us as well. I used to always very naively thought shrink meant customers were stealing stuff. So shrink, and you helped me understand that shrink is really just unaccounted for inventory, inventory that you're supposed to have, but you don't have. Right. Where does it come from? And and, I, and, and the follow-up question is, is, how do you measure it? Because you hear these, hey, 2% shrink is you know a big problem and how do we fix it? But nobody really seems to understand exactly where it comes from and they all just take take surveys. How do you, how do you know where this shrink comes from? <laughs> In, in the inventory sense, meaning, you know, the annual, so any publicly traded company has to have an external 
uh, audit at least annually in all of their retail formats. So they come in, they count, and it's a basic reconciliation of here's what your checkbook ledger said you own financially and physically here's what we counted. And then you strip out the sales and et cetera, but you compare two basic numbers and it the gap is shrink. Hmm. You own it on the ledger, but it physically is not in the store and you didn't sell it. The contributors to shrink uh, back to our earlier reference are everything from short ships from OEM. So let's take uh, a company, uh, a big one, P&G. They ship a gazillion widgets to every retailer on the planet. And to believe that there are not uh, errors, unintentional administrative errors, gaps, that case pack got pushed off the conveyor, it didn't get on the truck. Those things happen in supply chain, just like they do in the retail box. So it starts there. Did you get everything you were invoiced and paid for is a question mark. Claims, when you are processing claims to return back to the vendor, getting the credit from the vendor, rather than just put it in a box, it hit the UPS truck and the retailer's like, hey, out of sight, out of mind. Well, guess what? You didn't get credit on the ledger, so you still own it, even though you don't have it. Refunds, uh, unintentional mistakes, at point of sale, um, all of those things fall under administrative shrink, which as you're well-versed on it, used to for years was the University of Florida National Retail Security Survey of which I did the Walmart data for 20 plus years. And it's a guess. We don't know, mm. you know, of every dollar I lost at that annual inventory, I cannot specifically and quantifiably assign 55 cents to theft, 30 cents to administrative, 10 cents to uh, vendor fraud, et cetera. It's a best guess. Now, you have analysts nowadays and you have pretty good approximations on that, but on inventory day, you simply get in the most tier one retailers, you get financial accounting down to department level. Mm. You, don't, you don't get category, fine line or item. Now, mm. that may, not be true it's a target they may get item level shrink but in my experience where i came from we didn't have that we had approximations so again back to the earlier point if theft is the major driver of shrink you either suck at your job or that's not the major contributor the long tail of it is it's it's telling that we are not impacting or digesting the scope of the entire problem from OEM to the cash register. If, you, if you're not doing that, you're not attacking the problem. So let me play out what you just said. If I happen to be an asset protection manager who's in a store, I do, I run my store 364 days a week when I, or 364 days a year, I'm trying to check did my customer steal something? Did my associates or my employees steal something? Did I process claims right? Did I receive everything I get paid for? I'm trying to do that. And what you're saying is once a year, they're going to come in and count everything. And they're going to say, you're missing 2% of all of your cosmetics. You're not even going to tell me which cosmetics I'm missing. You're just saying this entire department is down 2%. How in the world... That, that would like be driving or flying a plane with no instruments. 
except once a year they go, here's your, here's your instrument reader. That, that seems like in today's age ridiculous that you don't have something that allows you to say, here's, the, here's what I am missing of this particular item because I had it yesterday and I no longer have it, and I, I haven't seen any point of sale for it, so something happened to it. But is that how things work? Literally once a year I get a snapshot by department? Yep, and that is uh, SEC um, Wall Street requirements for a publicly traded company is reconciliation, annual reconciliation of inventory. Wow. It's not specifically designed to identify loss or profitability. You just have to reconcile. So in a simplistic view, the taxes paid on inventory, carrying costs, et cetera, mm -hmm. as a publicly traded company, all of that can happen. But you get that once a year. So there is no real time, Mike, where you as a store manager can say, whoa, I'm tracking a 2% shrink on my cosmetics department. You don't know that. All wow. you know is the thieves you caught, and rest assured, you're catching about 10% of them. Yeah. The internal cases where <clears throat> uh, I'm a cashier and my girlfriend comes in and she has you know, three boxes of eyeliner pencils at 10 bucks a pop, and I only ring up one box. Yeah. Out the door goes $80, $90 and shrink. Mm -hmm. We don't catch it. It's just gone. We don't know mm -hmm. what happened to it. Mm -hmm. So again, it's back to the methodology of that given retailer's leadership. If the, if the, uh, if the gravitational pull is theft, then I'm going to say, well, holy crap, I shrank out $6 million in this store this year. It's all theft. I don't buy it. Mm. I, yeah. I, you know, if they're not peeling the onion back down to the core, they don't understand the components and contributions. <clears throat> and it's been exasperated during COVID with all of the smash and grab videos on ORC, mm -hmm. organized mm -hmm. retail crime. Yep. That, that threw gas on the fire back to the 90s when it was all theft. I get it. ORC is a huge problem and we are not addressing it through the legal system. I, I totally appreciate all of that. But there are components we're leaving on the table at the expense of chasing what is sexy and what we see versus tightening up the ropes on from OEM to the register. Wow. That's the gap. Well, well here's another one of the unintended consequences. Because uh, Justin Patton and I did a podcast probably about a month ago that, uh, that we'll share with our listeners that talked about the issue of ghost inventory in our systems. So I got a computer mouse here. The computer system says I have five of them. The reorder point is two. I don't have any. There's none of these. Somebody stole a bunch of these. We didn't get them. Whatever that happened, happened to be. Even if you tell a store manager you don't have five, you have zero, you should zero it out, they'll say, I can't do that because then I'll get blamed for shrink. Happens all the time. In a retail accounting world, like some of our big retailers are, is that true or not? Because there's a lot of perception out there. If I change my on hand and get that reorder going, I'm going to get blamed for shrink. Talk to us about the implications of that. In my experience, the answer to that is no. Um, yes, there is direct accountability for shrink on the annual inventory. But at the end of the day, and in my 20-year pedigree, uh, there was rightfully so an intense myopic focus on out-of-stocks. It didn't matter where we weren't very good is fixing it. 
we knew how to order it. We could uh, fix the symptom, i.e. the perpetual inventory in the system was incorrect. So we would uh, reduce that to get flow back. But that's a perfect example of asset protection loss prevention. When they would see something like that, they're like, hey, that's store ops. I don't do that. That's the wrong answer. Hmm. It is an inventory problem. And if you look upstream far enough, you got to figure out why did that occur in the first place? And in that scenario, you explained, if the system says I, on the system, I have 10, but I'll look on the shelf and I have two, and order point is five, two things happen. Number one, I don't restock. And number two, I've got to understand why I have 10 on hand. Is it in the back room? Did I never get it? Yep. Is there a supply integrity problem? That's what that's a perfect example for what I mean by understanding the complexities of supply chain versus your traditionalist loss prevention catch a crook guys. Right. Right. So so Brian, let me switch gears here a little bit. Um, because you've done this for twenty-two years with the world's biggest retailer, and now you've got your own company basically helping solution providers provide technology and process kind of solutions for that. Give us some examples, because to me, if I am running a store and once a year I get a snapshot by department of exactly what I have lost, doesn't feel like a real good solution to help me manage it throughout the year. How are you helping some technology providers with um, actual tools to help retailers and suppliers in this area? In the umbrella, like everybody else, it's largely AI. So in a sense, say rewind 10 years ago, there was a lot of conversation where I came from that, look, we're not going to get where we want to go with checklists and expectations. We have to introduce meaningful technology that addresses the problem and helps us correct it. Hmm. Where we get in trouble is we have a lot of technologies that help us identify the problem, but damn few that actually help us correct it. They don't go the extra step. So, for example, self-checkout. In my experience, uh, <clears throat> that retailer pushed heavily penetration of self-checkout. With self-checkout comes disproportionately larger increases of loss than a manned checkout lane, proven a million times over. It's a risk. So you introduce artificial intelligence through the existing camera network to say, hey, Mike just hit tender on self-checkout number 43 and he's got three 12 packs of beer still on the grocery cart, real-time alert, pay station attendant engagement. We prevent that from walking out the door. Hmm. In the safety uh, area, again, through camera systems, um, of late, tragically, active shooter scenarios, that is becoming, well, it has been for a long time, a grave concern of retail, but it's technology that's gonna be able to solve that and give you advanced warning from the parking lot, albeit 30 seconds, you have a problem. There's somebody heading towards your door with a rifle, confirmed. Uh, accidents in the stores, they are equally sometimes more expensive than theft instances. People falling down on the floor, a single lawsuit can cost you tens of millions depending on severity. Hmm. Um, but as far as the traditional theft component, risk the best and i've changed on this position as justin Patton will tell you uh i years ago came in the camp of of everything that we do today item level protection strategy largely 
is anchored in RFID hmm. to be able to provide what you and I talked about, the absence of item level inventory accuracy. RFID does not only the, the risk mitigation and theft, because it can tell you those two boxes of eyeliner pencils went through register 47, they weren't paid for, and they left on this door, this date, this time. That helps me as a strategy guy. I'm like, okay, it's real. I don't have to guess when I get that annual number. Well, what happened? I don't know. Lock everything up. Now I know. I go from using a chainsaw to a scalpel. Mm -hmm. And I save tons of money in the process. We get better in stock as a result. Uh, becomes more accurate because we're attacking the problem and not the symptom. But but don't we already have that solution? I mean, every time I'm in a Walmart store, and obviously I'm asking a naive question for our listeners because I, I think I know what you're going to say, but I see these alarms going off all the time at the store. Beep, 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 beep. I mean, don't we already have that in place? It sounds to me, it sounds to me like a casual observer that we already have that. It reports the news. It doesn't tell you anything. It's an alarm to say a tag is in the area. No item level information, no date capture, zero intelligence. The, the yeah. multiplier with RFID for me as a career asset protection guy is there is zero intelligence with current systems today that you referenced, EAS, and there is a wealth of intelligence that can exponentially make me better in my space in a broader sense with RFID. I do get item level information with RFID. It's impossible with EAS. You don't get it. So I got this mouse that I picked up. I didn't go through point of sale. I left and it beeps. Doesn't it tell me today? Doesn't it tell me that a mouse left? No. What does it tell me? It tells you an EAS tag, depending on your provider, checkpoint or sensormatic, a tag went through those panels and it is likely that it was a legitimate exit of a potential theft. Gotcha. So put yourself in the shoes of the exit greeter or anybody that engages when that alarm goes off. Most retailers don't do that anymore, but let's just say they do. Right. You don't know what you're looking for. You don't know if 10 customers walked out at the same time, which are the 10. So what do you do as, as a store employee? You smile, wave, and they all leave the door because you're not going to engage 10 people. Gotcha. So it was a great solution uh, when you and I were in high school, but it has long outrun its value prop. So so walk me through what the future looks like. Okay, so we're going to move from this EAS platform to something that looks like more RFID. How does that help? It just sounds like a different, different tag. Does it really help that much? R RFID, so uh, cost aside, Nirvana with RFID is... Readers at critical choke points, i.e. receiving uh, claims cage, you know, uh, dumpster to make sure products not going out the dumpster, uh, location uh, um, identifier to say it's on the sales floor, it's in the back room. Points of sale is what's really important. And I know that exponentially drives up the cost, but we're talking theory. So if every register can tell me when I sold that mouse, I immediately quote unquote, right to its tag. I know that's not the proper technology, but it identifies that specific mouse as being sold mm -hmm. in real time. It says that in the T-log and I can walk out the door unabated. It's paid for. If I don't get a read and it was not rung up by the cashier, go back to the eyeliner pencils where I didn't scan the other two boxes, those two would alert 
potentially I could have a monitor at the door that says, hey, not only do you have unpaid merchandise, this is what it is. Mm. And the picture on the screen tells me the greeter, it's that person. And it's, that's the product I'm looking for. Yeah. Outside the bounds of loss, Mike, it, I mean, as you well know, and I do too, from the early auto ID center days and MIT in the late nineties forward, it was largely supply chain headline. It was largely supply chain headline. And then about 2005 ish, I'm going to guess we started playing around with the RFID lab at Arkansas on shrink, shrink visibility. That's when it gelled with me. Wow. This not only helps us, it totally redefines the risk space in which we're playing. And it gives me actionable intelligence, whereas today I have zilch. So it's a huge, I mean, it's not even a comparison. It's like two different worlds. So from your perspective, now that you're more of an industry expert rather than just a single retailer, who's best in class? Who's got this kind of figured out and on the roadmap to how to leverage technology to, to mitigate asset protection issues? A retailer? Yeah. Um, Macy's, the apparel guys, uh, most notably for reasons of in stock. And they're finding out that you know, when the dog wags his tail, oh, guess what? We also know whether we even own this stuff or not, what happened to it, et cetera. So largely apparel, as you well know, and then Macy's probably is the tip of the spear. We played with this exact scenario years ago. Um, I'm going to say, because I've been retired now almost, well, over five years, so eight, nine, 10 years ago, uh, for various reasons, never got traction, but it was clearly evident at that point in time, this was not incrementally better, but revolutionary in the industry. It would tell me so much more, take me out of the dark ages. Because if, if you extract RFID and some of the AI I talked about, the industry as a whole is the same as it was in 1970. Lock stuff up, chasing shoplifters, doing manual investigations. Now, I say that tongue in cheek. Yes, there have been improvements and we're a lot better. But largely, until that mentality shifts of it's not all theft, theft is a problem, but it ain't the whole dollar. Um, as long as we're chasing the whole dollar is theft, shrink will be persistently high because we simply don't understand the broader picture. Hmm. Huge. Man, this has been, uh, this has been incredible, Brian. I really do appreciate it. Here's a question for you. What question did I not ask you that I should have? Talk to me about what did I miss? What am I met? What are the things that you're working on right now you think really the, that our audience really needs to, to understand and hear about? Uh, the potential of innovative technologies. So AI in the space. And then as dated as it sounds, uh, a meaningful conversation about the evolution of talent. Because largely that was my battle in the industry. And in some retailers, it still is fighting against the it's all theft mentality. It's virtually impossible to engage in a meaningful conversation to help not only mitigate theft, but also your supply chain, your in stock, increasing sales, reducing inventory levels that you're paying a gazillion bucks on carrying costs, accidents from handling all that merchandise to try and find this, the box of shirts or whatever. So it's those two things, talent, and we've gotten better at talent, uh, 
And I think COVID really did us a favor because it put under pressure test the understanding of risk in that space. So it forced the hand of some of the traditionalists to either grow or find something else to do. And then the introduction of AI in the space is, uh, it's not ubiquitous, but it's pretty close, as you well know. You know, everybody does AI. Um, and it can be a powerful force multiplier in retail to address problems that have been out there since the first merchant put a pair of blue jeans on a table. Hmm. So it's those two things, tech and talent. Tech and talent. Tech and talent. Yeah. Brand, can't appreciate you enough. Thank you so much. Um, we're going to go ahead and provide your LinkedIn profile if there's any listeners out there that are interested in reaching out to you for any other follow-up kind of questions or answers or maybe even opportunities to work on some projects together. Perfect. But again, I thank you for your service to our country. I thank you for your service to our industry. And uh, I, I just uh, I can't thank you enough for the time, just helping us understand the whole AP space, because I think there, there's some misperspective. There's some perspective out there that AP is all about, you know, stopping shoplifters at the door. Right. And it's just so much bigger than that. And yeah, it sounds to me like there's a real cry for technology to help support this particular industry at this point in time. Indeed, that is the uh, that's the force multiplier. Awesome. Thank you very much, my friend. We'll talk hey, to buddy. you later. Yep. Take care, man. See you. All right. Bye bye.